Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Photographic Collective Podcast. Y'all, my name is Miles Whitboyer. I'm sitting with a good friend of mine today, a, a filmmaker, a just educator, and well-known dude in the industry. His name is Jay Worsley. And you guys, before we jump over into my interview with him, I just want to encourage you really quick. As you listen to this episode, just understand that you are not broken like your flaws and insecurities and all of the struggles that you take with you into your daily life and into your career, those are a part of your story. And so I want you to lean in today and really absorb the way that Jay has has used his feelings and his backstory and his struggles to empower growth throughout his career. You know, this is a powerful, a, uh, a powerful interview filled with so many tidbits. So grab a pen and paper and meet us over in the interview now. You were saying right before I clicked record, you were saying that like the pandemic has, it's just sort of like exploded your business, right? Yeah, it's, man, it's just so crazy how such a horrible negative thing that could happen to the world could end up being like a really positive and impactful thing. Um, Because like, when the pandemic hit, just like everybody realized that they needed video or they needed some sort of online content. And my inbox just blew up like crazy. Um, and what's great, like what I mean about a negative thing happening to the world, having a positive impact, I felt so honored and excited to be able to work with new people that I probably never would have had the chance to and be able to like build them up and and get the, get their message out and, and all that kind of stuff. And it never would have happened if the pandemic never happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, this is totally not a a uh, a topic I thought we'd go down, but I, I kind of love this because I, <laughs> I also want to know from you, like, what did you, so what did you see shift though? Obviously, you, like you mentioned, everybody suddenly wanted filmmaking, but mm-hmm. like, how did the stories change? Because I noticed a lot, like a lot of difference in the intentionality of story. So not just like the request for it, but like people wanted that like hashtag authentic thing, right? Like they, they, they wanted real life to show back up. Yeah. You know, I think, um, in those times, and it's weird saying like in those times, like we're, we're past it. And I feel like we, we kind of are, but in those times, um, I think people were just craving so many different things. They're craving distractions. Uh, They're craving some sort of positive energy because everything was so negative. And they were craving something that was like a sense of normalcy back to how things were pre-2020. So a lot of these stories felt desperate. A lot of these stories felt like we just need something to, to give people and and we just we just need content to get out there. We want it to be real, but we want it to be fun, but we want it to be meaningful. But we so it's like like I felt like a lot of my clients were like chickens running around with their heads cut off. They just didn't know what they wanted. And that was a really great time for me to build a bit of like how I come at story or how I come at like finding like true meaning behind whatever their message was because then I could sit down back all right let's you want all these things let's actually sit down and figure out what you actually are trying to say to the world and what you actually care about and what actually is meaningful to you Um, and because things were kind of all slowed down for everybody it gave the opportunity to spend more time building those stories with these people Man, just those moments of intentionality. So, so I mean, you know, obviously, I've known you for for years now, but I think that 
people that are listening to this may not may not grasp this quite so much, but I want to hear then like this wasn't something that just fell into your lap. Like this was that was a an ethos to your company over the last, you know, decade. Right? So so how have you I guess how have you created this um like a priority line of of intentionality with your clients and understanding their story, you know, pre-pandemic. And then how, I guess how has that then carried through now on the backside of that? Well, I mean, as you know, I started in weddings and I, st- I mean, I still occasionally shoot a wedding. Um, I shot two weddings this year. Uh, but what I, where I built my business started at, with the beginning was with weddings. What's great about weddings is you can't redo things. Weddings can be the most authentic, genuine thing you have. Um, and people are always talking like about, oh, we're storytellers and this is story and stuff. You know, I mean, they're weddings, okay? They, there is some story to it. But whatever, whenever I would shoot a wedding, I would be seeking these moments, similar to like with photography, but I'd, I'd be similarly like searching for these specific moments because it's these moments that make the story real. It's without these moments, the story is just not believable. It's not, doesn't feel anything, you know, and I'm all about, I'm all about the feelings. And that translated over to my commercial business and my film work because I became obsessed with capturing or creating authentic moments to make my overall story believable. And that's what companies want. That's what brides want. You know, they want everything. They want people to feel what they're feeling. And if you can't get that across, then then you're not you're not a good storyteller, or you're just not a good you know businessman uh, with trying to create these products or these films for these people, because they they want their message conveyed, and it's you know up to me to convey it. So the best thing I can do is just search for what is like the realness behind what they're trying to say. It could be as simple as like, oh, we're trying to push 20% off uh, you know, this product or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, great. It's a discount. You know, why are you trying to do this? Are you trying to help people? Are you trying to, to just you know, profit more? Are you trying to grow your business? Why are you trying to grow your business? Who are you trying to reach? And like trying to get all these kind of things. And you would be so surprised at like finding out the why behind what people are doing. And then it's so easy to like capture like the real... Uh, I guess essence in that moment behind what they're talking about, dude. I, I love. I just love that as a perspective. I spent my morning, and yeah, you'll, you'll totally like be able to appreciate this. I spent my morning uh, writing back and forth with one of the guys that I mentor, and uh, he had a bold question for me this morning. I'd love to hear your your take on this, but he had a really bold question. He said, "Okay, like, listen, Miles, I get it. Like, I've heard you say it before, right? Like, making making your first six figures is just a decision you have to make. Like, it's just a light switch in your head that you just turn on, right? He's like, I want to make more. And so he's like, you know, talk, talk me through. Like, what is that? Like, how? What do you what do you what do you do to make more? And dude, I, I think I kind of twisted his perspective a little bit when I did essentially what you are just now, like what you're doing for your clients, right? Is say like, everybody always wants to do this like find your why moment, right? Like this weird eat, pray, love thing. But the, the next step to that is like, why does it matter to people? Why would they pay you so much money for this? Like, how is it that you're solving problems in their life that is worth that much money? And then what are you willing to sacrifice, from like a personal perspective, what sacrifices are you willing to make to solve problems in other people's lives? 
Like, are you willing to not spend time with your spouse or your kids? Are you willing to ditch a vacation or not spend, not have weekends? And, and, you know, and then obviously like, you know, then we can, yeah, we can get down to brass tacks on like what your hours are worth, but you know, like you can't, you can't come at somebody right off the bat, right? Just like make me more money. And, and I think what's fascinating about what you just said is that's essentially the process that you're doing for your clients, for them, right? Is saying like, hey, don't just come at me with a, with a problem that you want solved. Like explain to me why that problem exists and what solving that problem is actually worth to people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, okay, you, you make more money. Great, now what, you know? What is what does the money do with like what is the purpose of that? What is the point of that? Maybe you you have plans to do something with that money, but you know the more I see like wealthy people, um, they don't care about a lot of things. Like they don't care about social media. They don't care about. Uh, they actually don't really care about the money that they have. They they just don't. They either give away a lot of it or invest it to continue their wealth and try to spend more time with the people they love. You know. So it's like, you know, trying to find like really what is what is the purpose of anything? You know, what is the purpose of of more wealth? And it's different for everybody. Dude, okay. So I think we've clearly just set the baseline on the fact that you're there's an obvious reason why I wanted you on this podcast. One, because you know, we've been friends for years and you're just a like a brilliant guy. Um and I want to hear about your No, I'm serious. I this this isn't me flattering you. Like I want to hear about your your story making and your filmmaking and your and your background and all of that, but um, for for you guys that like tune in to listen to this, let me preface all this by saying, I, in my opinion, I think Jay is probably one of the most um, brilliant commercial filmmakers that that I know. But just in the sense that you have this way of stitching together story in the most unique way, and so, dude, take take us back then, like. I want to know where this whole process started for you. So not not what you were shooting, but why you were shooting early on, and and like how you how you decided that that you know walking around, literally walking with a with this giant red scarlet in your hand is going to be like you know your future. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, growing up, so for me. Um, I know you. I know you know Enneagram stuff. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll preface you with saying that. Uh, can you wait? Can you guess what number I am? Uh, I know. I know. I really. I'm bad at that. I don't, I don't think you. You know me well enough to know. Yeah. But uh, so I'm an Enneagram four. And okay. uh, with that being said, let me rewind and say when I was a kid, uh, I had a lot of alone time. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of friends. My brother, I have an older brother. He's five years older. So like, you know, there's just like a disconnect between me and him. Uh, like we're close now, but, um, and then my parents, I was never really close to my parents. So I had a lot of alone time and I was just this hyper imaginative, hyper creative, hyper emotional, hypersensitive person. And with that alone time, I just let my brain go crazy with whatever it wanted, with whatever I had. So I was making stories in my backyard with my with my dog, you know, about time traveling. I was uh, drawing and painting in my room by myself, building all these little Lego worlds and stuff, and put placing myself into these worlds. I realized, like, as as 
time kept going on as I kept getting older, I just kept feeding into like those ways to be able to get these like feelings and emotions out that I had because I had so many feelings and so many emotions. And I kept coming back to always making stories and making up, you know, making up little movie ideas or actually making movies with a crappy little video camera because I just wanted to do it and it was my outlet to get things out. Um, and among, among many other things too. Uh, so for me, like I knew whatever my career was, I had to be able to have something that incorporated this imagination that continues to just run wild. Um, my wife always says like, (laughs) sometimes like I'm in the clouds, you know, my head's in the clouds and it's like, but I like being in the clouds. I like my head being in the clouds. I like dreaming and imagining and, and all that. And so what better field to be in than a visually creative industry where I can take charge myself and create these stories myself or help others create the stories that they want to create. Okay, dude, I think you probably just spoke to like three quarters of our industry and maybe didn't even know it. I, I mean, come on, it's the, it's, the, it's the thing that like all of us have in common. Um, and yet most of, un, until you get to kind of the upper echelons of the industry, like the people that have, have made it far enough that they're confident in admitting, you know, how insecure they really are. I think most people just bury that part of their story. Right to say like, hey, creativity for for me formed out of you know out of like alone time or anxiety or insecurity or isolation or frustration or, or you know whatever. So I love that you're that you're able to piece together this this concept of like, dude, the fact that your head is in the clouds is your superpower. Um, <laughs> right. It it really is. Like I, I mean, that's that's amazing. Okay, so. I, you know this then, so like the whole reason that this podcast even started was because I wanted, like I wanted to learn from you guys, you know, like if other people get to it by proxy, it's really cool. But like, I want to know then as, as like my career progresses and my uh, reach grows, like how, how do you keep your head up there? Like when everybody wants to pull you down on the weeds and get you down, you know, like dealing with the details. How do you stay as creative as you do? Well, you know, I'd love to say, man, I am just 100% creative all the time. You know, hit me with something, I'll, I'll feed it right back to you. But that's definitely not true. You know, uh, there's definitely ruts. There's, you know, like writer's block or creativity blocks. And I find myself doing that when I start to veer off of what I originally said, where I'm trying to keep that imagination into my career. Sometimes I do get bogged down with busy work, you know, Um, whether it's, you know, emails, administration work, you know, accounting or, you know, just what what it takes to run a business, you know, Uh, and then a month goes by and I realize, man, I haven't even picked up my camera in a month. And what is going on? What, like, you know, I, I've, I've just thrown myself into business mode. Um, so as much as I'd like to say I'm 100% creative all the time, unfortunately, that's just not true. Uh, do I daydream and have my head in the clouds often? Yes. And what I try to do is I try to come back to 
things that these ideas that just make me feel something. Cause like I said, I'm all about like, I'm all about feeling something. And so if I have an idea with something in these times where I'm not creative, where I'm just daydreaming off about something, I'll write it down or I'll actually grab my phone and I'll make like a quick little audio message to myself and like my voice memo of just like, there's this idea about this, this guy who's going through this, come back to it later. And then when I find myself like really down of like feeling like I'm just on the you know, assembly line of doing the same old thing. I'll come back to those audio messages or I'll come back to those ideas. And then next thing you know, my whole day has just been ruined because I've just been thinking about how to create this film or this idea, or I become obsessed with this idea and it reignites my, my excitement for something. It reignites my, you know, my, my creative fuel. Uh, and then another thing too that's so funny, and my wife makes fun of me for it all the time. Um, I will just go into my office, turn on some music, and it's not always happy music. Sometimes it's like that sad, somber music, or it's just like really like slow piano or whatever. Gosh, I will just sit there and just just like listen to the music and just let the music do what it, it's supposed to do. Just like travel through my brain and just like ignite anything or make me feel sad and then try to find like, why am I feeling sad? And and just just like let it happen, like let that feeling happen. It's like, I'm feeling sad because obviously I need to feel sad. And then all of a sudden more ideas start coming or I need to feel inspired and, or I need to feel, I need to feel warmth. Like, why do I need to feel warmth right now? Of like happy feelings, like where, where is this all coming from? So it's like, I always like to, try to like find why I'm feeling these and then add that to like an idea or add that to some sort of creative thing or, or something like that. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of talking in a circle now. No, dude, actually you're, you're, you're perfectly saying what's, what's in my head. I, I, uh, I spoke at a conference a couple of years ago. Um, the title of my talk was, it had something to do with like manic creativity, but these ideas of like the rhythms of being a creative and, and it's something that isn't spoken to. It's it's not popular because everything has become influencer based, right? So you're supposed to like wake up at eight o'clock every morning and you're supposed to just turn out content at a fever pitch. And it's supposed to be your best idea every time you click record. Um, and you're not allowed to have bad days. Like that that's that's not a part of it anymore, right? Because because you have to get the likes and the follows, the comments. People have to smash your face in order for you to be successful. And and like insert all of my sarcasm here. Because the reality is like the most creative people that I know, um, like you know, you mentioned Jonas Peterson's um episode earlier. Like the most creative people that I know have gone through long periods of time in their career where they're on, on a rhythm that doesn't feel creative. And then there's these, these moments of enlightenment, right? There's just these, these pops of like, you know, brilliance. And those moments define their style enough that then they hinge on those. They lean on those and, and, and like, they're just present and and leveraged against them until the next one comes. And uh, and I, man, I I'll tell you, I remember. Um, I mean, it's been years since since I really started seeing this stuff from you. But I remember you being one of the early um, 
let's call it adapters maybe, and at, at least that I had access to, um, of like really brilliant drone films. Um, like yeah. just beautiful aerial films before that was so popular to do. Um, but, but for whatever reason, I want to hear from you about that. Like for whatever reason, just that perspective, like that actual opportunity to see something familiar from a brand new way was something that like really drove you for a while. Right. Yeah. No, I was, I was heavy into the drone stuff. Cause you're right. I was like, I kind of got into it pretty early. I, the first drone I had, I took it for my first uh, my first documentary film that I did, and it had a GoPro on it, and I I just had the remote, and I couldn't see on the screen, and I had no clue what I was recording, and I'm just like, well, I hope it works, and I I, I didn't even find out till like halfway through this documentary that the button on the remote, like right here, made the GoPro go up and down, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I, I remember just being blown away at the footage because you think we're, we're just, uh, we're stuck on the ground and we couldn't, we can't see things the way that a bird can see things uh, or the way that our imagination can see things because yeah, a bird can see things, but then if you put a gimbal on a camera, on a drone, then you can really like start to like have this movement that birds don't even have, you know? So then you're really like going into these new perspectives and man, I just got so fired up by it. I had lots of opportunity where I was going a lot of different places and I had my drone with me and I would just throw it up there. This is before there's all these drone laws. So I was probably droning in places I I, I, like now you wouldn't be allowed to. Uh, And it was just, man, it was just so cool to see you know, just this way that our world is that you just, you wouldn't see any other way. Like we're just, like I said, we're so stuck to the ground. And if you just go up, not even 500 feet, if you just go up a hundred feet, you have this whole perspective that is just so beautiful. You know, I heard this um, line from um, Andy Puttycomb, who does Mindspace or Headspace, mm-hmm. um, and he said this one-liner, and I'm like, man, this works with almost everything. So he was specifically talking about pain and and what people are going through. But what he said is, um, if you are attached to the shoreline, you'll never know the expanse of the ocean. Meaning, like, if you're just stuck with where you are you'll never see what's out there. And for me, drone footage kind of helps me creatively, not just like with aerial stuff, but just in filmmaking in general, seeing like I was so stuck in a certain way, I didn't realize that there's this whole other way to do things. And I was stuck on that shoreline and I, I was able to finally like get myself out of that and see the limitless possibilities. And it just, it just, man, it, jacked me up. I was so excited about drone stuff. Now I hardly ever fly my drone because I'm just like too into narrative films and and that kind of stuff. Well, it's taking you someplace new. I think, I think that's the important thing to, to point out is I, I know like, you know, um, over in Photoco, a lot of the conversations that we end up having are with photographers that are still in there and there's nothing wrong with this, but photographers and, and videographers, um, just creatives in general, they're still in like their first couple of chapters, and you know, those first, like, I, I guess I've, I've never actually successfully written a book. I need to. 
but but I, I feel like those first few chapters have got to be the hardest ones to write. You know, like you're starting to try and figure out what what matters and kind of create this scene and create this setting. And, and, you know, that's hard, but like you just said, you know, you, you and I, man, we're, we're a few chapters into this thing, right? I, I would say, uh, you know, I, I don't, I hope I'm not wrapping it up yet, but you know, I'm, you know, let's, let's call it halfway into my book and, and I'm far enough in now that I can see trends. Like I can see things, like what you were just talking about, things like, you know, when, when I started shooting, nobody center punched anything. That wasn't a thing. You know, they didn't teach you in film school to center punch. Actually, they told you like never do that ever, right? And then, and then Instagram came up with the one-to-one and suddenly everything was popped in the center, right? But like, that wasn't a thing. And now I think we can all agree like Instagram sucks. And I think more creative composition is going to start to come back into play. Like, I think people are going to start to play again. You know, I really hope that that's true. I feel like social media and what it's done to artists and expectations for artists and then how artists are actually like never rewarded for the work that they put out there on social media. I really hope that artists in general start to just not care about Instagram anymore, you know, and just create just to create, not for the likes or the views or whatever it is. Um, Of course, getting likes and views are great, but in the end, like it can also really destroy a person too, because of what social media has done to our society. You know, if I, if I work so hard on something and then uh, it only gets, you know, a hundred likes on it, then I start to feel like, man, was this not good enough? Am I not good enough? And like, what's wrong with me? Instead, why not just put something? And if, if people see it, if one person sees it, then at least you get to affect one person, you know? Dude, this is, this is a huge way, place for us to go with this because I know you mentioned that you've gotten really into narrative films and the stuff you've been turning on lately has been, it's on, I mean, it's absolutely, it's on a whole other level. And I have questions about all of that stuff, but what I guess what advice would you have for people though that feel like uh, like we mentioned I mean they're sort of still in that that first few chapters and so they still feel as though they need um, some like social affirmation to to you know to justify the title right like I am a photographer or I am a videographer um, what what other avenues can they find that? outside of, of, you know, just like the metrics of social media? You know, I, I look at the, you know, filmmakers I love and some are like really big ones and some are, are, you know, not so known. And the people that inspire me and the people that really inspire me, like, okay, Christopher Nolan, who did, you know, Interstellar and uh, man, he's just an amazing director. I don't even think he has an Instagram. You know, like, I don't think he's on social media because he could give a crap about it. He's just out there creating. And yeah, of course, he's Christopher Nolan and he has, you know, millions of dollars to create these films. But I love that mentality of social media can be such a distraction. It can be so such a distraction and it can be, like I said, so, so like harmful almost. Um, I think the only thing I can say for anybody is, you know, I took a risk myself 
to chase something that I thought was ridiculous, which was I, I want to use my imagination and make money off of it. And as like saying that out loud, it sounds like stupid, but I've been able to do that because I had a passion and I chased after it. And I chased after it kind of pre-Instagram too. Like <laughs> I think uh, I had a, uh, I had an Instagram account for a little while and like I didn't understand Instagram and I didn't really care. And like, I'm like, I make videos and Instagram didn't support videos at that time. So it was like, well, what do I care about Instagram? And I was just able to like push and push and push my business, not relying on a, on a social media because it's something I really wanted to do. And it was something I really, and I continue to try to do because like you, I'm only halfway into my book. You know, I still have so much more that I want to go to and achieve and that was just a small chapter of just the starting point of, well, I'm passionate about something and I got to go do it because I'm still that kid who has all these feelings and I'm trying to get these feelings out some way. And instead of telling an imaginary story about time travel with my dog in my backyard, I'm trying to actually make it in real life and uh, not, not time travel with my dog, but I'm trying to make you know films in real life to be able to show people. And if they like it, great. If they don't like it, great. I don't care. It's not for them. It's actually more for me. Mm, cool. Okay. So that, that leads me to like, uh, probably the easiest question that I get to ask and probably the hardest one for you to answer. What's a, what's a favorite project? Like something that you've done that, that you feel like you truly saw your soul go into. Uh, it was this film that I did last year. Uh, you say it's a hard question. It's actually a really easy question. Um, it's called This Is Home, and, or Is This Home? And it has to do a lot of actually like a little bit about what we've been talking about. But there's a, an emotional wellness coach that he's a client of mine. And we're actually, we just plan to do a bunch more conceptual films this year, which I'm really excited about. But he's an emotional wellness coach and he focuses on uh, high-level leaders and executives and celebrities because they're in these leadership roles. And he talked to me about this concept and I felt like, holy crap, I relate to this so much. And he was talking about how a lot of people that he works with, they, um, they put on a facade of who they expect people or who they think people want them to be. So the people put on this facade because they want people to like them and they want to feel accepted or they want to feel affirmed for what, whatever it is they're doing. So they essentially become what they want people or what they think people want them to be. And then in turn, when they do that, they start to neglect the people that are close to them. They start to push them aside or they start to kind of forget actually who they are as a person. And they just kind of become this, this thing that actually isn't true to who they are. And so we created this film about this character going through it. And man, it is so emotional. I'll, I'll text it to you after we're done with this. But it is one of those films where you see this character and you're, you're like, what is he doing? And then you see him just kind of like neglecting his kids and his wife. You're like, dude, what are you doing? And it's like, actually, wow, that was me like three years ago, just 
travel and I, I'm still like really busy with traveling, but it's like just traveling and just hustling and, and trying to like make these films and make this work and, and just, just be, be this person, be this like inspirational person or this educator in the, in the industry or whatever. And it's like, but holy crap, like I, I just want to go hang out with my kids on the weekend or I want to tap back into that emotional side of me that I've just been hustling and hustling and hustling. And I'm, I'm, I haven't, I haven't sat in my office and listened to sad music in a while. I want to go listen to some sad music. And uh, I think that project was definitely one that I put a lot of my heart and soul into. And the response from it, man, it was so good. Uh, people on social media were just like, wow, this is me. And, and like my client was saying um, when he would show it to people, like everyone just would cry or just feel like, gosh, I need to... I need to look inward about what I'm doing with my life. Hmm. That's powerful. I mean, I, I think those moments, like, again, we talked about rhythms a little bit, but those moments where you feel seen as an artist. Um, that's the reason I asked that question, because I, I think that, that there's those, those formative moments, right, where your style shows up and you don't, even, you don't even mean for it to. People always love to ask that question, right? Like, how did you develop your style? It's like, well, the reality is my style developed me. Um, I just leaned in to it. I, I, I just gave, gave in. But those happen in those formative moments. But then there's those, those other, the other end of the spectrum, that pendulum swings like you just talked about, then you feel seen. And, and it, you start to realize like what you've created is, is valuable, and not not from like an insights analytics perspective, like it's it's actually valuable to people. Um, okay, so dude, tell me more. Like, I mean, I know a little bit, but I, I want to know more about like where did you grow up? What where? What's sort of your backstory there? And where where are you now? Yeah, well, um, I was born in California, moved to Scottsdale, Arizona when I was two. So pretty much just lived in Arizona my whole life. And what I love about living in Arizona is nobody knows where I live. Nobody on social media knows where I live because, I don't know, uh, people are surprised when I say I live in Arizona. And like you see, I've got my little Phoenix Suns poster up there. Um, yeah, I live in Arizona and it's great. I love it here. Uh, it's hot, but I don't know. It's just, I love it here. I don't think I would live anywhere else. Um, unless, you know, my kids are all grown up and my wife and I want to move somewhere else maybe, but I mean, I don't think she wants to move anywhere else either, but yeah, man, uh, I live in Arizona and I actually wanted to be a firefighter and I went through a fire academy and and went through all that stuff and thought I was going to be a firefighter and realized, nope, I'm not going to be a firefighter. Um, and then I thought, uh, okay, well, why don't I become a physical therapist? And I was studying that. And then I realized, nope, don't want to be a physical therapist because it kept like, none of this stuff was creative work. You know, it wasn't anything that I was really excited about. I was just kind of doing what I thought people expected me to do. Just like that character, you know, I was telling you about. Um, and then uh, I started a, a fitness business with all this firefighter stuff that I had in, in kinesiology experience that I had. Um, I started this fitness business and just didn't like it. And it wasn't really successful. And my wife's like, you should try shooting weddings. And 
I'm just like, you can't make money shooting weddings. You can't do that. And uh, this was back in uh, 2011. And uh, like 2011, the highlight film was like maybe like just getting really popular. Like it'd been around for like two years of like people making highlight films. And uh, I saw this guy at a wedding and he had this, he had like a Canon 5D and a slider and he was just doing all this stuff. And I'm just like, what is this guy doing? And then I watched his stuff online and I'm like, holy crap, I can do this. And that's what I'm like telling my wife, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this because that looks really, really fun. And then uh, my wedding business just snowballed. It just, everything, like I booked one wedding for free and then I booked another wedding for 500 and then I booked another wedding for like $1,000, which I, when I booked it for $1,000, I'm like, Oh my gosh, somebody's giving me a thousand dollars to shoot their wedding. Like this, I'm going to be rich. And then, uh, <laughs> next thing I know, I'm, I'm booking 20 weddings a year and then 40 weddings a year. And then I'm traveling all these places. And, um, it's just so crazy how it all started. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, you're, you're, I, I love that I get to say this because I, this, this I think is, is going to kind of take us into this sort of the next topic is, you were completely on top of the world from a wedding industry perspective. Like you really were, you were kind of dominating. You, you definitely retired at the top. Um, I know you didn't totally retire, but like, I remember the, um, the conversation that I had at the time with Brandon, uh, mutual friends of ours. Um, and, uh, and oh, it may have been Brandon or Dave. It may have been Dave. I'm not sure. But when they said that, you know, um, Jay's not doing weddings anymore. I'm like, what, what? Like he, you can't just decide on a whim when you're at the absolute like peak of the industry. Like you're literally driving the way wedding films are being seen and experienced and understood, and and you're teaching it and you're training, and then just to be like, yeah, nah, on to the next. But what kind of courage did that take for you? Because I, I think that's I think that's relevant for a lot of people to to say like you know hey you know, they're, they're shooting newborns or they're shooting kids, or they're shooting families or, or maybe weddings or commercial or whatever, but it's not super fulfilling. And, and you found this, this off ramp to say like, no, 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 I think I'm going to head this direction. What, what was that process like? Well, it wasn't like, uh, I woke up one morning and I'm like, I'm done with weddings moving on. It wasn't like that. It was, uh, I knew for me, weddings was never, the end game of what I wanted to do. It was, it was what catapulted me into what I wanted to do. Shooting weddings was like, if you want to learn how to film something really fast, start shooting weddings because you'll learn so much so quickly and you'll, you'll, you'll create a style really fast too. Um, And that's why I thought weddings were a really good way to, to start for me. Like I said, I always wanted to create films. I want I I don't want to be the next Christopher Nolan, but I just want to make films. I just want to, like I said, get these feelings and thoughts that I have that are in my head and just get them out in the world because I think they can be impactful and they can change people. Um, but how do I get there, obviously, right? So for me, um, when I would shoot a wedding, I would treat it uh, as 
I know a lot of weddings can be the same, but you, I, I would treat it like, okay, this, this, isn't, this isn't the same wedding. Uh, this is a different couple. Sure, they have little mason jars with baby's breath coming out of them at that time. That was like really popular. It's like, sure, that one had that one. Last week's had that one and, and so on and so forth. But like, no, these, I got to get back in the mindset. These are different people. And their feelings for each other are different than the, the last couple. Uh, and I would just serve them the best that I could. And that would show in my work. And then what happened is because it would show in my work, you don't know who's at these weddings. I had, um, there's a PetSmart executive at a wedding and he saw the highlight film and he's just like, ah, if you could do that with weddings, weddings are the most boring thing in the world. If you could do that with weddings, let's see what you can do for us with corporate training films. And I'm just like, yes, give me the chance, give me the opportunity. And so it was like another way to learn. And um, I treated it the same way. Like, okay, these are people, this is, this is, they're saying these are boring training videos, but like, no, like I'm going to look at this with like fresh eyes and just put my heart and soul into it. And then I had like a four-year contract with them to make these training videos. Uh, and so like where weddings was here, commercial and corporate work was here. I just kept like, it just kind of like started going like this where I was booking more commercial, more corporate, more whatever. And I was turning down weddings. And then it got to a point where I was just like, I saw, and this is bad saying it, I, I became so, um, so overworked with weddings that I started to lose passion and heart behind it, which then affects being able to serve that couple, which then makes me not the best person to film their wedding. Uh, it actually would hurt at that point back then to, to film their wedding. So I came to a point where I was like, okay, well, if my heart's not into it, I'm not going to do it. And I love weddings for what they were. I love how it made me grow. But And sure, the money was great. But in the end, like my heart, I just kind of lost my heart into it. So I couldn't hurt a couple or hurt myself and just continue to be in a type of field where it's just, yeah, my heart wasn't into it. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done with weddings uh, and I'm just going to move on to where my heart is. And so that actually was really good because then the weddings that I do now, my heart's totally into it because uh, I didn't advertise. I, I don't advertise for weddings now. I didn't advertise it. They actually sought me out. We had a connection. I, I only do like one or two a year now. Because it's just like, why not? Because it's fun. Because now I get to be connected with a couple. And that's where my heart's at, that connection. Mm, okay. I, 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 what I'm loving here, dude, is that like it's sort of, it feels like everything that you've done over the last five or six years then has been really like about intentionality. Mm -hmm. right? Just like making sure that you're more time with your wife, more time with your kids, more time you know, with that imagination. Just like, strengthening that muscle which i i think is something that people forget is you know like it it takes it takes practice to be creative but it also takes space um and uh yeah i think a lot about um i don't know if you know if you know phil porto i'm not sure if you guys have ever met each other but uh phil released a video years ago on youtube um before this topic was as popular as it is now but um, just sort of trashing the seven seven day work week, like the all hustle concept, 
And he basically tore that down and sort essentially said like, that's, that's the reason why creativity is so two dimensional right now is because, you know, people get up and they just get to work. They just grind as hard as they can. And they forget that like being a creative, being in a creative industry is a, it's a blessing and it's a, it, it, you know, it's an opportunity that, um, you know, a lot of us were born with, you know, it's, it's this instinctual element. And, uh, and so, man, I just, I love the fact that it's like, you're making more and more intentional decisions towards that. So, all right. So lately you, you've mentioned that you've been like working more on narrative films. Um, I know we talked, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, um, you having done a little bit of work with uh, with my friends at Fujifilm uh, with the Students of Storytelling program, which is super cool. Um, by the way, that film that you edited is uh, like let's say this right here on on the air uh, bl- completely blew my mind. Um, oh, the before we and, and yes, like completely blew my mind. Um, not just. Yeah, not I. I don't know. And and the the Watson video. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I. I mean. Oh my gosh. Like. Not not just from create from a creative perspective, but just from the amount of like respect for the cultures that are being represented and and the appreciation for how how uh, delicate that situation can be. Right. So so. Talk me through, you know, as we kind of start to, I don't know, get on the back end of this interview. What does that look like for you now? Like telling, telling other people's stories because you're not just working for brands. Like, right, right. We've talked about you having these chapters in your career, right? Where you were working for couples and then you were working for brands and now you're telling stories about people and like, that's a big responsibility. So, so walk me through what that feels like and and how that's impacted you? Well, you know, the biggest thing I can say is the word collaboration. Um, You know, that thing with with Watson, uh, with me and Leah, it was just such a good collaboration. Um, she's, she's never been a filmmaker before. So like this whole project was her first time doing something, which, which by the way, for like a first filmmaking project, that's pretty phenomenal, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, but it was like this collaboration of like me and her having endless conversations, like just talking about like, again, like what, is, what is the purpose of this? What is the feeling of this? And then it, it, it isn't becoming necessarily somebody else's story it's just becoming a collaboration. It's, it comes back to like, I want these, I want my feelings for the world to feel too. It's, it's, it's me trying to find ways to, to get my feelings out with somebody else getting their feelings out and getting their, their emotions out and stories out and all that kind of stuff. So it's never anything of like, well, I'm telling this person's story. It's like, nope, we're, we're, we're telling this thing together. We're doing this whole thing together and I get to share my perspective and you get to share your perspective and we're just being able to share something from multiple perspectives in a way that becomes more impactful and more powerful. Okay, talk about something that's like radically lost in our society and you to- you totally just hit it. Yeah. Yeah, just this just this ability for you this ability for you to be able to see see a story that you don't necessarily fit into. 
right? Like mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a narrative that isn't yours. It's an experience that hasn't been yours or it's a life that wasn't yours. But yet your mm-hmm. perspective on it is still important. Well, like when you watch a movie, any movie, you like... What's a movie that you love or that you've watched recently or a show that you've watched recently that, that moved you in some way? Uh, man, I don't, that's, that's, that's hard. That moved me. I don't know. You, you, come, you come at me. Okay. Let's just say, uh, let's just say, okay, Ozark is coming out soon for their final season. Have you, have you watched Ozark? Uh, a little bit of it. It's a little too close to home. It's a little dangerously close to home for me, but yeah. It's it's filmed like ten minutes from here, but yeah. Oh no way! That's amazing. I didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll we'll use Ozark. So Ozark was like filmed beautifully, uh, the, directed beautifully, acted beautifully. The story is crazy, but it's like it, it's intriguing and and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's essentially all that I'm trying to do. Is I'm watching a movie like Watson that one that you felt really connected with, that collaboration was me just essentially watching his story and sharing my feelings about it. And that's what the collaboration is, you know? Um, I think, uh, it, you know, people just need to have that, that feeling or that freedom to be able to go at it with intentionality of like, okay, well, this is your story and this is what I love about it. This is what I respect about it. And this is what I want to tell others about you know, about Watson's story. This is how, what I connected with, and this is how I want to share with what Watson shared with me. Hmm. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a, like, you know, three years into my career, uh, messing around with, with a camera, trying to figure out whether I want to be a photographer or videographer or cut bait and be a graphic designer or, or what, right? How do I, how do I figure out like, what, what advice do you have for people? Cause I mean, I, you've, you've, now mentored a lot of people. So how do I figure out what lane? Because you just you've you've settled so beautifully into exactly where you want to be, at least for right now. Right? So how do I figure out what what lane to go in and and how where to commit my time? Yeah. Well I can say I like your I like your analogy with with the lane. Um, because I, I'm not necessarily where I want to be right now. And I think in 20 years from now, I won't necessarily be where I want to be. And then 50 years from now, I think it's just kind of like, almost like this chasing of the wind kind of thing. I'm always like running after it, but what am I actually running after? And sometimes that changes and and everything. And I have big goals and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I think being in the lane, because being in a lane means you're actually driving somewhere uh, and that lane can direct you somewhere. So I really like that analogy. But I think uh, in the end, I've always, obviously, I've I've said feelings a lot in this in this you know interview. Um, but I think that's what it really comes down to is like where your heart's at, where you actually feel the most fulfillment. And for me, I know that I found that I get the most fulfillment by creating something that I'm connected with. And if I'm not creating something I'm connected with. I got to get out of it because otherwise, what the heck's the point? You know, why am I even doing it? Um, money comes and goes, but fulfillment is something that really can just make you become a better artist. Fulfillment can make you just 
be like a better version of yourself. Because if you're not finding fulfillment in something, you're sad and depressed or you're wondering why you're doing what you're doing. Well, it's because you're not doing what you're doing or what you should be doing. You should be doing what you're connected with. And um, I think that's what I've always stuck to is I'm not connected with weddings, so I'm going to get out of weddings. I'm not connected with corporate work, so I'm going to get out of corporate work. I'm not connected with... uh, uh, I'm not connected with um, commercial work anymore, so I, I'm going to move on from that. You know, it's, it's like just finding finding where your heart is and just always following that. Mm, that's really cool. That's a that's a good man. That's a good word. Um, I think it's something that people just need to hear. We're we're all so quick as educators. I'm I'm just as guilty of this of like helping people create their their goals. Right, like, hey, let's build you your five-year goals. Let's set trajectories for success. Let's define what all that looks like. Let's look at your P and Ls and and your marketing strategies and all of these things. But I think what most often we forget with creatives is just the simple question of like, what are you going to do when you get there? So like you, if you accomplish every goal that you have, everything that you write on paper, right? Like you you win the Emmy. And, you know, you sit back and you've got the million dollars in your bank account and you, and you have the private jet. What are you going to do with it? And, and I think that that, like, that question is probably the most pivotal part of the whole process because it just, it unravels the rest and it makes you rethink your priorities to say like, hey, you know what, maybe actually that, that million dollars isn't, maybe that's actually not a goal because I don't know what I would do with it. You know, so like maybe instead I need to invest more time in, in my family because I know what I would do with more time with my family, right? Um, and uh, it, it, was, it was one of the reasons, Jay, genuinely, like one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast because I, I've seen you over the last, you know, seven or eight years succeed in so many different um, parts of this industry, but it's never seemed like it changed who you were. And... That's a that's a really powerful thing. I, I think we we can all say like we've we've seen other creatives succeed at different times, but it's like you know as they change hats, they change personalities. Um, and I love the fact that it's you, dude, you've you've remained you know like a family man and a friend and and uh, just a really positive personality throughout throughout your whole career. Um. So, dude, thank you so much for taking time like this. You don't know what what I th- I think this is going to mean to people, but I uh, I think this is probably one of the most um, organic, one of the most authentic conversations we've had on this podcast. It, it means a lot to me to have it with you, dude. It means a lot to me too, man. And uh, like I said to you yesterday, I'm really excited that you yourself are continuing to push. You know authenticity in a world where people want things to be authentic they're missing it they're missing you can't want like you can't force authenticity you just you're either authentic or you're not you know you're either intentional or you're not and uh, i just love like i feel like you just ooze out intentionality and authenticity and it's really obvious and it's really refreshing I'm just, I'm just trying to learn from you guys. I, that, that is, that's not, that's not a cop out. I appreciate that compliment a lot, but I, I'm at a point now in my career where I'm like, man, I, I know how to take the beautiful photos, but you know what I want mm-hmm. is I want to be able to help the people. 
yeah. and uh, and not just help them make more money, but uh, you know, help them solve these problems. And and it's it's cool to see friends like you that have done that. So, yeah, dude. Thank you so much for taking time away from your kids. Uh, I love that we could hear them for a few minutes playing in the other room. Um, dude, that's that's such a cool part of this. I don't, you, you need to go back at some point. You need to go back and listen to the episode that I did. Uh, it's the first episode in, in season two um, with Jared Fincher. His kids are like, his girls are like playing in the hallway the whole time. And nice. I mean, that's the good yeah. stuff, you know? Like there's there's a reason why we don't all check into an office every day and that's that's it, right? My uh, my home office is right next to the bathroom, and I can't tell you how many Zoom calls I've been on where my toddler was just like going to the bathroom and yelling, "Come wipe my butt!" while I'm like <laughs> on a Zoom call with a client for like Amazon or something like that. Dude, I've been. That's the good stuff, right? You get to charge extra for those conversations. That oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So. Well, dude, I uh, I so appreciate you, um, man. I hope I genuinely hope to have you back. You're you're one of the one of the guests that I would I'd love to start having um, as a fairly regular voice on here, uh, just because I I feel Ooh, like there's like we literally just scratched the surface, and and uh, man, I I haven't ever I haven't said this um, live yet, but um, you know I'll say it to you first, I guess. The goal really of the podcast is really changing as we go into uh, the third season to start really shifting away from this idea of speaking to just photographers and uh, and really starting to dial in more on the mindset of of creatives. Yeah, because there's so many different levels of creatives, so many. Yeah, and so we, we're even playing with this idea of dropping uh, the the photographic concept and just saying like wait this is the collective podcast like this is this is a group of like-minded positive intentional people coming together every week Mm -hmm. to just learn and uh and dude thanks for being a part of that that it means a lot yeah man thanks for having me 